God, thank you for your word. God, prepare our hearts beforehand to receive your word. God, help me to communicate well. Holy Spirit, would you speak what you want spoken and nothing else, God. Have your way. Do what you please in our hearts and in our lives, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're continuing our series in 1 John tonight. Uh, the series is called Complete Joy. When John wrote the letter of 1 John, he said his purpose uh, in writing the letter was that your joy would be made full. God wants you to have a life full of joy. And throughout this letter of 1 John, he's going to explain to me how to have that kind of life. How do you have a life that's full of joy? Man, first you've got to know Jesus, right? You've got to be in a relationship with God. Uh, and, and, he, and he talked about the importance of obedience. And, and we touched on a few different things. Again, if you've missed um, in the first, first few parts of this series, you're going to be in good shape tonight. Um, you're, you're going to be able to track right with us. But if you do want to go catch up on some of those, all of our past messages from this semester are available on the website. That's chialphamemphis.com uh, and also also on the, the podcast on iTunes. Uh, you can get caught up there. Um, but tonight we're specifically talking about doubt. Talking about doubt. Um, it's hard to have a life full of joy if you're wrestling with doubts, just being honest. And if you've got doubts and unbelief, and questions, and you're wrestling with those things, and they're gnawing at you and eating up inside. It's hard to have that full joy uh, that God wants you to have, right? Uh, and so, so John's going to address that a little bit in the passage we're looking at tonight. Again, we're in 1 John chapter 3. Uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 19 is where we left off last time. Um, talking about, man, how do, we deal, how do we deal with doubts? Every single one of us has them. Every single one of us. Say, even you, Pastor Matt? Yeah, especially me, right? Every single one of us uh, will deal with doubt. From time to time, but how we deal with it is really important, and that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. First John, chapter three. Before we jump into it, I just want to be honest with you guys, transparent, and share a little bit uh, about my story. Is that all right? Uh, I want to share with you kind of my my journey with with faith and grappling with doubts and grappling with unbelief and what that looked like in my own personal life. Some of you guys are like, man, Pastor Matt, there's no way you ever had any doubts, right? You've got an answer for everything, right? If we got a question, we send it to you. No, it's not, but I don't have an answer for everything, right? Man, there's questions that I struggle with. There's, there's questions even today. and stuff that, that still, man, 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 I'll struggle with, I'll wrestle with, I'll think about. Uh, and, and I want to encourage you guys in, in, in your faith and help you to know how to deal with those questions when they come. Um, but it's not like I've never had questions, right? So I want to be kind of honest about my uh, journey in faith, journey dealing with doubts and unbelief. So I, I grew up uh, in church. My parents took me to church. Uh, probably every Sunday since, since I was old enough to be taken to church. Um, and they made sure that I was in church. They made sure that, that, that I knew the Bible, those kind of things. I was in Sunday school, all those kind of things. So I grew up hearing about God and had a lot of head knowledge about God. I didn't get, really get serious about living for Jesus until high school. Uh, a friend of mine invited me to her youth group. And, and I can't even tell you what the sermon was on, but Holy Spirit connected it with my heart in that moment. You know, all, all the stuff I knew about God in my head, it became real for me in that moment. I said, Jesus, I, I really want to know you. I want to live for you. Uh, and I really got serious about my faith and started to try to live for Jesus, started to try to pray daily, started to try to read the Bible. You know, O'Shea was sharing his testimony a little bit earlier tonight about when he got serious for God. And that was my moment. Uh, there's really trying to get serious for God and figure out what it means to live for God. Um, I moved away uh, to, to go to college. I got involved in Chi Alpha. I was once a Chi Alpha student. <laughs> just like you, uh, and got involved, in, and Kyle was instrumental in my faith. It helped me to make my faith my own, to where my walk with Jesus wasn't just, well, this is just what mom and dad always taught me. But like, I really had my own personal walk with Jesus. I really knew God for myself. Um, I was able to, to grow in my faith, uh, leaps and bounds, went through college, uh, and see God work in my life. Um, 
After graduating college, I got married. Praise the Lord. God provided me a beautiful wife. Uh, and this Jackie Drain over there. Uh, the Bible says, if you don't know any other verse, maybe you've heard of, the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds what? Good a good thing. A good thing. God gave me a good thing. Uh, we got married uh, right after graduation. Uh, we both went on staff with Chi Alpha. And before too long, uh, Jackie's pregnant. Uh, with our first baby, a little boy, a son, his name would be Thomas. Um, I was doing Kyle and also working a job at First Tennessee Bank. Uh, I was going, 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 burning to both ends. Um, was dealing with some, some tiredness, some exhaustion. Uh, you know, was excited about having a baby, but also, I mean, that's scary, nervous stuff too. Um, and, and wrestling all these things about, okay, God, do you want me to go into ministry full time? Um, you know, is this just something on the side? God, what do you want for my life? All those kind of questions, right? Uh, it was around this time um, when, when Jackie was pregnant and just after our son was born, uh, I really started to struggle uh, with doubt. I can't point to an exact moment when it started, but that was the season I was in. We're just under a lot of pressure. Pressure from work, pressure from, from ministry, pressure as a brand new dad and all the, that anxiety and stuff. Do you guys feel like you might be a little anxious if you had a little baby on the way? Um, I mean, it's exciting, but like, yeah, there's some pressure there. And, and, and so navigating all that, um, I, I started also to have, have some real questions I was encountering as I was, I was reading, I was trying to grow my faith, encountering some questions about faith that were tough for me to answer. And I had a close family member uh, that, that, that left the faith, um, and, and, and so, so wrestling with that and, and, and looking at some questions uh, that I didn't have a good answer to, and, and sure enough, man, I felt, I felt my faith in God kind of felt like it was dwindling, kind of felt like it wasn't as strong as it used to be. Um, and I was in this place where I'm, I'm contemplating going into full-time ministry, and I'm saying, God, how can I, with a clean conscience, go into full-time ministry if I'm not even really sure that you're there? I'm not even really sure if you exist, if this is just, just a fairy tale, just a good story we tell each other to make ourselves feel better. Like, God, I can't take this next step into ministry until I'm sure. Um, man, I, I kept reading, um, and I kept, kept reading stuff. Uh, on both sides, man, I'd, I'd read, read stuff written by, by agnostic and atheist writers and philosophers, and it's like, no, these are really good questions that I really don't have good answers for. Um, and, and my faith was struggling. It, it came to a place where, where it was pretty bleak that I still tried to put on the outside that uh, yeah, everything's good, but, but inside, man, the, the, the doubt was serious. The unbelief was serious, and it was really, really tough. Tonight we're going to talk about, man, how, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that before it gets that bad, first and foremost? Um, that, that maybe you're in a place now where you're like, man, if I'm being honest, I don't really know that I believe there's a God. I don't know if I say I'm atheist or say I'm agnostic or say I just have questions, but um, I mean, I've, I've definitely got doubts and unbelief that I'm dealing with. Um, let me just jump into the scripture and we'll come back to my story uh, a little bit later. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 19. John was one of Jesus' best friends, right? John knew Jesus more than anybody, closer than anybody. Uh, and this is what one of Jesus' best friends, John the Apostle, has to say. He says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. This is how we know that we belong in the truth and we can set our hearts at rest in his presence. John wants us to be confident that we belong to God so our hearts can be at rest. Doubt is stressful, right? Doubt is agonizing, right? When you've got big questions that you don't have answers to, it's like being pulled apart. 
and you, you can't really experience peace. You can't experience rest because you're, you're, you're wrestling, you're grappling with these things. Um, with that kind of uncertainty, it's impossible for us to experience peace. It's impossible for us to experience complete joy. That's what God wants us to have, but we can't get there when we're wrestling with doubt and unbelief. And so two kinds of doubt that John's going to address in this passage we're going to look at tonight, doubting God and doubting our position before God, or in other words, condemnation. Those are two kinds of doubt we struggle with. We struggle with doubt in God, faith in God. God, are you really there? God, do you really exist? Do I, do I really believe this? And then also maybe doubting our position with God. And am I really safe? Right? Am I really right with God? You know, I look at my life and, and there's, there's guilt and shame and, and, and there's times where I feel like, man, am I, am I really doing this or am I just faking? You guys hear me? Those are the two kinds of doubt that, again, all of us struggle with at some point in our walk, right? Uh, two kinds of doubt that he's going to address in this passage. Talk, tell us, how do you deal with this? Um, how do you overcome this? How do you get through this? Uh, that's what we're looking at. So the first part there, uh, he says, how do we know that we belong to the truth? How do we know that we belong to the truth? How do we know this is true, right? How do we know we don't belong to a lie, to a fairy tale, that we just got suckered, right? How do we know that we belong to the truth? That's doubt. How do we know it's true? Is what I'm believing really true? Is this thing I'm following true? Is God actually real? And how can I know for sure, right? Do I belong to the truth? Is this really true? And the second part is, how do I know I belong to the truth? Maybe it's true. You know, I believe God's real. I believe Jesus, you are who you say you are. How do I know that I belong, though? Like, am I really saved? Do I really belong? Does God really love and accept me? Me? After all I've done? Or am I actually just fooling myself? Am I really saved? How can I know for sure? And again, that's what the Bible calls condemnation, right? When we condemn ourselves. Like, God, I don't know that you could really love me. Like, I get how you love these guys. They're awesome. Like, God, I don't know how you would really love me. I don't know that you really accept me. And when I look at my life, man, I still screw up so much. Am I really saved, right? And we have these thoughts, right? We condemn ourselves. Um, those are the two kinds of doubt we're talking about. And then doubt, where, where, where it's an issue of, of unbelief, and we have trouble believing God, and then also uh, doubt in our position with God, condemnation. Continue on in verse 20. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. And He knows everything. That's the good news, right? Our hearts will condemn us sometimes. Our hearts will sometimes beat us up, make us feel like we're worthless, like we're no good. But the good news is God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. When our hearts condemn us, again, uh, it's condemnation. John says that God is greater than our hearts. The New Living Translation puts it this way. Even when we feel guilty... God is greater than our feelings, and He knows everything. Even if we feel guilty, ashamed, condemned, God's greater than our feelings, right? God's bigger than your emotions, bigger than your feelings. So the first thing we're going to talk about uh, as, far, as far as dealing with doubt is separating out our feelings from reality, right? Separating out our emotions from reality. Because there's definitely an emotional component to doubt. And sometimes it's our feelings, sometimes we're in our feelings, we're in our emotions, um, and, 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 and that's like the big, the big driving force. That's the big cause. So the first thing John wants us to know is God's bigger than your feelings. God's bigger than your emotions. He's bigger than your hearts. Our emotions are going to deceive us. Our feelings are going to deceive us. Our heart is going to lie to us, right? The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and who can know it, right? 
The culture tells you, trust your heart. Just follow your heart. The Bible says, no, don't do that. Whatever you do, don't do that, because your heart is going to lead you right, right into the pit, right? It's going to lead you right off the track. Uh, our hearts lie to us. And you know this. One day you'll be on the top of the world, and the next day you'll be in the bottom of the, the, the pit. And what's changed? Nothing except your mood, which is just like all over the place, right? Our emotions, man, they're, they're, they're fickle. They change. Uh, we can't base um, our reality on our emotions, right? We can't let our emotions be our, our filter for viewing the world and understanding the world, especially in understanding God and approaching God. All of us are going to have days we don't feel safe, right? All of us are going to have days we don't feel close to God, where we're overwhelmed emotionally and we wonder, God, are you really there? Because I'm so stressed out. All of us are going to have days we feel like that. But those emotions are just that. They're just emotions and they're not reality, Right? When you get married someday, there's going to be days where you maybe don't feel like being married. There may be days where you don't necessarily feel like you love your spouse, right? You love them, and you're committed to them, and you're going to see through it. But if you're basing everything on feelings, that marriage isn't going to work out, right? There's going to be a day you don't feel like it. One of going to walk out the door. You can't base it on feelings, right? The reality has to be, man, we made a commitment. I'm going to love you on good days and bad days. And sick days and healthy days and richer for poor, that's the commitment I made. That's the promise I made. So on days where I don't feel like it, I'm going to do it anyway because my heart's a liar. <laughs> and, and my emotions, I can't believe them. And it's the same way with our doubts. I mean, sometimes we'll have, we'll have questions. Sometimes we'll, we'll question our status before God. Uh, and it's our emotions, right? It's our feelings, right? And, and the feelings change and feelings come and go. So John says, don't base it on your feelings, right? You need a reality. You need a standard to hold your faith to other than your feelings because your feelings... Uh, are going to mislead you. They're going to lead you astray. Uh, so first thing we're going to think about is, man, make, make sure you're not basing uh, that doubt, that unbelief, on, on a feeling. And I want to also want to base your faith on a feeling, right? Because if, you, if you're going hard after God uh, and, and, and it's all just based on man, the, the, the good feelings coming your way, right? Like, like you, hear, you hear a good sermon, it's like, man, I, I want to get serious with God, right? And, and you're responding to like that emotionalism. Well, what are you going to do on the day you don't feel like that, right? Are you still going to go hard for God on the day that you're, you're stressed, you're anxious, you're overwhelmed, right, when you want to give up? Um, it's got to be based on something more than just our feelings. So, so John says, when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. When we're feeling guilty, God's greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. So what is that standard? I mean, what, what is that standard that's better than our feelings? Well, let's continue on. Verse 21. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. All right, that's where we want to get to, a place of confidence before God. We're confident, God, I believe you. God, I believe you're there. Jesus, I believe you're who you say you are. And I'm confident in my standing before you. And then a couple weeks ago, we talked about that we're children of God, being confident in that identity that I'm a child of God. If I'm a child of God, what does that mean, right? That God's prepared a place for me in heaven when this life on earth is over, I get to be with him forever. I've got a room in his house. I've got a seat at his table. I'm a child of God, right? I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the king of the universe, right? As a child of God, I've got access to the creator of the universe. There, there's a, a, a Tim Keller quote. I'm going to paraphrase that only a child would bug the king at 3 o'clock in the morning for a cup of water, right? Only a baby would have that kind of courage, that kind of boldness, right? You have that kind of access, Right? You have that kind of access. Anyone else that tries to bother the king at 3 a.m.? Nuh-uh. But his daughter, his son, comes in and says, Daddy, I'm thirsty, right? You have that kind of access with God because you're his child. 
right? So being confident, man, we want to have that place of confidence before God. So that if our hearts don't condemn us, basically we can get past this doubt, we can stand in confidence before God. And then this next part is great, and receive from Him anything we ask, right? If we're in a place of confidence before God, we can pray, we can trust God hears our prayers. If we're praying man, right in line with God's will, we can trust that He's going to answer those prayers. Uh, and it says, because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. And we can have a place of confidence before God. But it means we've got to process these doubts. We've got to deal with these doubts. And we can stand in that place of confidence. Uh, and it says part of that is keeping his commands and doing what pleases him. Verse 23, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commands us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. It says, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God. Well, how do we get there? And how do we get to that place of confidence? How do we deal with the personal doubts about God and the condemnation when we feel like we're not right with God? We're going to deal with doubt first, right? So I'm going to separate it into two, two parts, doubt and condemnation. So first time we're going to talk about doubt. How do you deal with doubt? How do you deal with you know, these questions you don't got a good answer to and you're wondering, God, are you really there? Is this Bible uh, really true, like literally true? Jesus, did you really exist? Are you really the Son of God? When we have those kind of doubts, how do we deal with those doubts? First thing I want to tell you is that doubt is normal and even healthy. Every single one of us is going to doubt sometimes. It's normal. If you feel like you've got doubts, if you feel like you're struggling with questions, in the moment, I know you feel like the lowest in the world. Like, man, how is it that I'm doubting you, God? You've done so much good things for me. How is it that I've got this question if you're even in? How is that? And we feel so low. But remember, we're not basing it on our feelings, right? Because our hearts will condemn us. We're not basing it on our feelings. But there's those times um, where we don't feel like it's normal to doubt. We don't feel like it's okay to doubt, right? We don't feel like it's okay to be a Christian and have these big questions. But I want to tell you, it is normal. And it's even healthy, right? Our faith grows stronger from being tested. If you didn't ever feel doubt or unbelief, then I would think you might not be thinking that deeply about your faith, right? If you're never asking any kind of deep questions about your faith, how strong is your faith going to be? Or is it going to be kind of a shallow faith, right? Things get stronger by being tested, right? And, and your faith is no different. Like a metal that needs to be refined by the fire, right? How, how we refine metal is we expose it to heat uh, and pressure, and that brings impurities to the top that we can scrape off, and that purifies the metal. Man, our, our faith is the same way. God tests us the same way. Um, and we'll go through things that kind of test our faith. Uh, and if we persevere, man, our faith will come out the other side stronger and more pure, right? Um, a faith that's not been tested isn't going to be as strong. A faith that's not had to grapple with any doubts um, isn't going to be as pure before God. Does that make sense? So that, and that way, doubts can be healthy if we persevere and get through them. It's going to make you stronger. It's going to make you better to come out the other side of that. Even though doubt is normal, we don't want to let those doubts fester in our lives. Right? Doubt's normal. I mean, when we have a question, we don't want to be like, oh, no, I'm not really. How can I? How is it that I've got this question? But we don't want that doubt to fester, right? When we say, okay, it's normal. Okay, i got a question. Matt told me this was going to happen. <laughs> but we don't want to just sit there and kick our feet up and let that doubt fester, right? We want to deal with it. We want to bring that thing to God and deal with it and come out the other side of it. Uh, if we don't deal with it, 
and that thing's going to grow, and it's going to fester, uh, and it's going to be fatal to our faith. Like I said, uncertainty can be agonizing. We can't live there forever, and God doesn't want us to. We need to deal with those doubts and confront them and not just ignore them. If those doubts aren't dealt with, uh, again, they're just going to pile up. They're going to become deadly for our faith, uh, and they're going to drive us away from God. So we want to take our doubts seriously. And we don't want to be afraid of doubt. We don't want to be afraid of questions. Um, But we also want to take them seriously when they arise. And the good first step, anytime you're dealing with a doubt or a question, you're dealing with any kind of uh, belief struggle or faith struggle, is to invite God in the situation. Say, Father, I've got some questions. God, I've got some questions. God, I've got this thing, and I don't know what to do with it. Um, I've got this thing I can't quite get past. I've got this thing my philosophy teacher said, and and I know it's not right, but I just can't shake it. It's been with me all week. God, help me. God, I've got this question. I was reading the Bible, and and there's this part that just, I can't quite believe it. I can't quite get myself to to trust it. I, I can't get over it. God, would you help me? Invite God into the situation. Bring it to God in prayer. A lot of times we debate these things and have these big philosophical ideas we struggle with and we don't ever invite God into it. We don't ever get to give him a say, right? And so it just gets worse and worse and worse and we spell out of control. Invite God into it. Father, I'm struggling with this. Would you help me? Would you help me? Bring it to him in prayer. And then after that, this is what I do. I follow a super simple, practical approach. Simple, practical uh, some of you guys have heard this before. Some of you guys, this is going to be familiar to you. Um, this is what I do. If I'm dealing with a doubt, uh, if I'm dealing with a question, and, it, and it's one that's really got me like, man, I, this is affecting my faith. Here's what I do. Like I said, I take it seriously. Because that doubt, again, if that thing festers and grows, that's going to drive you away from God. You want to take it seriously. Uh, you want to take it super seriously. So this is, what that, well, this is what I do. What do you do when you catch on fire? That's it. That's it. Stop, drop, and roll. Right? If you can remember that, you can remember what to do with doubts when you have them. Stop, drop, and roll. I'm going to explain what that means. But if you, caught, if you catch on fire, I mean, they taught you guys really young. Really young. Probably through a song or something. Because every kid knows that. I could ask a room of kindergartners and they would know stop, drop, and roll. If you catch on fire, and I hope none of you do, but if you catch on fire, you know to stop. Why do you stop? Stop, like, instead of run around, right, I guess? Like, yeah, you're going to spread the fire. You're going to give the fire more oxygen. Uh, you need to stop and deal with it, right? You can't ignore it. Can't, I'm on fire, but it's just a little bit of fire. I'm, I'm going to hurry to get to class. Like, no, you need to stop and deal with that fire, man, because that thing is just going to grow. It depends on the teacher. Yeah, so stop and deal with it. You want to drop? Why do you drop? Yeah, you drop, get on the ground, you want to smother that thing, and then you roll around to make sure it's really smothered. You don't get up again until that fire is out, right? So you totally deal with the thing. Uh, it's the same way when you've got a doubt, when you've got that question, when you come across the thing, man, you're, you're on the internet, you're reading an article, and you come across the thing, and you're like, whoa, I've not seen this before. Man, this is a good question. I don't have an answer to it. And that thing gets in you, and you're like, ah, man, it's causing me to doubt, doubt God or doubt something about God. Um, you're on fire, man. Don't just, I'll just keep going. I'm sure it'll be fine. It won't be fine. Deal with it. Deal with it. So step, step one is stop. Stop what you're doing. Your faith in God, your relationship with God is the most important part of your life, right? Your relationship with God is the most important part of your life. Um, if there's something that's going to get in there and wedge in between you and God, you're going to want to stop and deal with it. Don't just ignore it. 
Don't just keep going like everything's fine. And not every question is going to hit you this way. Sometimes there's a question you're like, oh, that's interesting. I'll ask Matt later. I'll ask Jackie later. I'll ask my life group leader later. That's fine. Not every question is like this full, full-blown, festering doubt, right? But I'm talking about the ones, you know the difference, where it's like, ah, oh, this is affecting my relationship with God. This is a question I can't quite deal with. This is gnawing at me. This is eating at me. When you feel that, stop and deal with it. Stop and deal with it. Uh, if, if it's something that you're reading, don't just keep reading because you're going to read another argument, another argument, and those questions are going to pile up. And those questions individually you could deal with, but when you have like a bunch of questions in a row, it's going to make the argument seem weightier, you know, and it's going to be hard to deal with them all at once. So, and just stop and deal with them one at a time, right? You've got a question you're struggling with, stop and deal with it. That's stop. The next one is drop. And so for this one, I want you to picture um, everything falling off of the, of, of the question. So, we're in fall now. It's winter. There's snow on the ground some places still. Uh, we had a big snow yesterday. Um, what, what, what happened to all the leaves on the trees? Uh, most of them. There may be a few stragglers, but for the most part, uh, the, the leaves have fallen off the trees, right? They've dropped, and you can just see the bare tree, just the wood, just the sticks, just the branches. Uh, that's all that's left. Um, and, and I want you to picture that kind of drop as far as when you're dealing with a doubt. So that doubt will pose itself in the form of a a question, a philosophical concept that you're wrestling with, but inside there is a really simple concept for you to address and deal with, but the problem is it's surrounded by rhetoric, it's surrounded by emotionalism and charged feelings and stuff, and before you can really deal with the doubt, you're going to have to drop all that. So the first thing you're going to do is stop, and the next thing is drop, let's just drop all of the, uh, the clever wording and the clever rhetoric and all the emotionally charged and I'll explain what I mean by that in a minute. And what is the simplest way to word this question that I'm dealing with? What is the most basic way to understand this concept and why it's bothering you? So, so, so drop all the, all the extra stuff and break it down to just the simplest way to phrase it. Um, again, you're going to come across some arguments. You may, may have, have an atheist classmate or, or a friend that wants to get an argument. Or you may be talking to a family member that doesn't believe like you do. And, 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 and in that argument, sometimes those get emotionally charged, right? People are emotionally invested in those kind of things. And so to really address the thing, you're going to have to drop that emotionally. Because, man, sometimes you'll come across a thing and it's like you get, you get swept up in the emotion of it too. Uh, and it's going to make you really hard to deal with the, the, the basic question itself. You know, a big thing that people struggle with as far as belief in God is what's called the problem of pain or the problem of evil. Super simply, uh, if there's a good God, why is there so much pain and suffering in the world, right? There's a lot of emotional heft to that question. And, and by the way, I'm not answering that question tonight. There's not time. Uh, and it's a good question. It's a question people have dealt with for centuries and centuries and centuries, right? Uh, but because there's so much emotional weight to that question, um, sometimes we can't even get to the question itself until we drop all the rest of it. Sometimes it's way too personal. And how can God be good at when, when my grandma died, right? How can God be good and let, let this happen to my next door neighbor, right? How can God be good and there's this whole country of people over here starving? Like, like that gets us all worked up emotionally and we can't really deal with the concept until and we drop that emotionalism and really, really deal with the, the, the question itself, right? And, or, or drop the, the fancy rhetoric. I mean, sometimes stuff is worded so cleverly that it sounds a, more, a lot more convincing than it really is, right? Um, I'm going to give you just a real quick example because this, this is one that like stumped me at first. Um, was that I mean, someone saying, well, you're only a Christian because you were born in the United States, right? If you were born in China, you'd be something else. If you were born in India, you'd be Hindu, right? If you were born over here, you'd be something else. That you're only a Christian because of where you were born. I was like, oh, man, 
that's clever. Like, I've not thought about that. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's right. Maybe if I was born somewhere else, I'd be something else, and I believe it's just as true. Here's the problem with that. That's very cleverly phrased, um, but it's a logical fallacy. Where you're born has nothing to do with whether a thing is true or false, right? Christianity has to be true or false on its own merits, regardless of whether I was where, where I was born or not, right? If I was born in China, Christianity would still be true or false, right? And that it's not based on where I live. My personal belief in it may be, but that doesn't say that Christianity is false just because I had greater access to it being born in the United States. You see the difference there? So it's like we've got to strip down the, the statement to its... What, what is it basically saying? Because that statement is basically saying nothing. Um, but it sounds really clever. Uh, so that's the drop step is because you're going to come across a lot of arguments that the way they're worded are really like, whoa. But then when you drop it, it's like, oh, that's not really saying much of anything at all. Now, sometimes it is saying something and we got to deal with it. But, but dropping that emotionalism, dropping the rhetoric of it, that's going to help you a lot. And then the final stop is roll, right? And the fire one, this is you rolling around on the ground. It's going to be different in mine, right? Roll, I want you guys to picture, you know, we've got, we've got lots of books you know, we've got our, our iPads, and we've got our tablets, and we've got our laptops, and we've got a whole library full of books. In Jesus' day, what do they have? Scroll. They had scrolls. So with roll, I want you to figure out picture rolling out a big scroll. It's time to do your homework. It's time to do your research. It's time to read. Some of you guys are like, I hate to read. Well, man, a big part of growing in God is reading, right? First of all, we got to read the Bible, but then, man, you got sometimes reading the writings of other wise Christian men and women that have gone before you. Um, because here's the thing. Any question you're going to encounter, any doubt that you're going to encounter is not brand new to you. Someone has already thought about this. Someone has already wrestled with this. Someone has already come up with a really good answer to this centuries before you were born, right? Sometimes you'll come across a question that's like, oh, man, I'm stumped. That's really tough. Like, maybe Christianity is just a sham. Maybe it's not true. No, someone has already thought of that and already dealt with it and already wrote like several volumes of it back in like the third century. We just don't know it because we don't read. We don't research. We don't, we, we don't talk to people that have read, right? I might not be a good reader, but maybe I'll have a friend that's a good reader and I can ask him, right? Um, so that's the role. It's like, man, we've got to do our homework. We can't let those doubt, doubts fester. Uh, we, we've got to read about it and say, okay, what are some of the good answers to this question? Again, knowing that there's nothing new under the sun. Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. There's not any new objections to faith. There's not, right? You're not going to come across a philosophy professor and he's got some brand new objection to faith that no one's ever thought about before. No, people have thought about this way before we were born and there's lots of great Christian answers to these questions as we come across them. But we've got to do our homework and read to find it out. So that's role. It, you know, picture opening up a scroll, opening up a book, um, maybe doing some research online, maybe talking to a trusted friend, uh, maybe someone who's a little bit farther along in their faith than you. Uh, you can always call them Jackie and I. If you've got a question, uh, and I don't know the answer to every question, but I do know how to do good research, right? And I'll, and I'll help you find an answer. Um, but man, when I, the day that I kind of realized, like, there's good answers to all these questions, that was like a huge, a huge weight lifted off me. You know, jumping back into my personal story a little bit, uh, that's, what, that's what really got me through, is I did a lot of reading in my feet. A lot, a lot, a lot of reading. Um, and, and I found like a lot of these doubts and questions I was struggling with, there were very good answers to them. Uh, and, and the more answers I came across, man, I felt my faith get bolstered. I felt my faith get stronger. Um, and again, later we can talk and I can, can share with you some of the different resources that I, that I looked at and helped me. Um, but I came to a place where, again, I still had a lot of questions, 
Um, but, but in particular, my confidence in the gospel, my confidence uh, that Jesus really did live and exist and worked miracles, and there were hundreds of eyewitnesses to his life and ministry, that he really did die on the cross, that he really did raise from the dead, and upwards of 500 people saw him alive after being dead. The, the proof for that, right, the, the, the historical proof for that uh, was so overwhelming that I came to a place that says, okay, God, this is my prayer. I can picture exactly where I was. I was in a pizza restaurant in my lunch break in First Tennessee, and I prayed this prayer to God. God, I still have more questions than I have answers. But Jesus, I believe who you say you are. I believe you are who you say you are, and I'm going to trust you. And that was kind of my journey back to a place of having a more strong faith in God. And I hit a, a dark low, a dark low. But, 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 but reading, researching, and re, reading what other wise people that have gone before me had, had to say about it, uh, and then looking at just this, the huge amount of proof we have, the historical reliability of the Gospels, the accounts we have about Jesus, that I came to a place, and, 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 and you guys may be in the same boat, where it's like, God, I still have a lot of questions. Some days it may feel like i got more questions than answers, but Jesus, I trust you. God, I trust that you're there. Jesus, I trust you are who you say you are. Amen? Um, so that's stop, drop, and roll. Man, we do have a doubt, do have a question, man, do that. And stop and deal with it. And then drop, drop all the pretense, all the rhetoric, all the emotionalism. What is that statement really saying? And then let's do some research to see what are the good Christian answers to that question. What if we've done all that, Matt? What if I've done all that? You know, I've studied, I've read, I've talked to people, and I've still got something gnawing at me, and I'm still just struggling trying to cross that threshold of, of belief. Let's say maybe I'm still, feel like maybe I'm agnostic, maybe I'm atheist, or maybe I have a friend that's agnostic or atheist, and they just can't quite get over that threshold. Well, Dr. Lynn Anderson describes something called a faith experiment. A faith experiment. And this is what that means. We don't come to find that Christianity is true the way we come to find other things are true, right? We're not going to have a big, long mathematical proof that's like, aha, God is real, right? We're not going to test that Christianity is true by studying it in the chemistry lab with Bunsen burners and beakers and those kind of things, right? Uh, but that's not how we test that Christianity is true. We don't test that Christianity is true by sitting around thinking deep philosophical thoughts, we discover Christianity is true in the laboratory of our everyday lives by putting the teachings of Jesus into practice. David says in the Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. So then come experience it for yourself. Taste and see the Lord is good. And that's what I'm proposing. Try it. Test it. Jesus said, if you live your life this way, your life is going to be better. Well, try it. I mean, spend 30 days following the teachings of Jesus and see if it does make your life better. See if your life is better when you don't lie to people. See if your life is better, right, when you don't deceive people, when you don't hate people and hold on to bitterness. See if your life is better when you don't commit adultery, all these kind of things that Jesus said. If you live this way, your life will be better. Um, try it, man. Look at, the, look at the teachings of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and start putting those things into practice. Do it for 30 days. And then the 30 days say, is my life better than it was 30 days ago? And if Jesus was telling the truth about that, when he said your life is going to be better if you do this, if Jesus was telling the truth about that, maybe he's telling the truth about the other things too. Maybe he's telling the truth about, I'm the only way to get to the Father, that I'm your Savior, that I'm the Son of God. Maybe he's telling the truth about that. Um, that we can, there is a thing we can test. We can test the teachings of Jesus by obedience and see if it really does make our life better. If he was telling the truth about that, maybe he's telling the truth about the rest of it too. And that's what John's talking about there in verse 22 and verse 24 where he says we have confidence in God when we obey the commands of Jesus. And start obeying the commands of Jesus and see if your confidence in God doesn't rise, 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 rise. Right? When you start obeying the commands of Jesus, 
And, and when we experience those blessings in our lives, that's the way God can kind of prove himself to us. O'Shea talked about when he started tithing. He's like, y'all got to try this tithing. It works, right? Well, that's what God promised. He said, man, man if you bring your, your whole tithe into the storehouse, then I'm going to make sure uh, I'm going to overflow to you with, with, with blessings. You're going to have everything that you need. Um, that's the promise. The promise basically is if you bring your tithe to God, you can live better on 90% than you could on 100 Well, that math doesn't make sense. Well, try it, right? See how God blesses you when you're faithful to be generous, when you're faithful to tithe. Uh, we can test God in that way. In fact, with tithing specifically, God says, test me in this. Test me in this. See if I'm telling the truth, right? And then follow, oh, try obeying Jesus. Try obeying Jesus, like it says in, in 1 John 3.22. And see, see if that obedience uh, man, man, doesn't help increase your confidence in God. That's a way for us to know that it's true. Jesus said in Matthew 7.24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man building their house on the rock. Right? He says, my teachings are teachings that you can build your life on and your life is going to be stable and steady. Does it mean you're never going to have hard times? No. He says there's going to be storms. There's going to be rains. It says the rains come, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house. But what? It did not fall. It did not fall because it had a foundation of rock. Jesus says if you build your life on my teachings and obedience to me, then you're going to have that solid foundation. It doesn't mean you won't have bad days. You definitely will. But you're going to be able to get through it because you got that solid foundation. I mean, if you're still at a place where it's like, I don't know, Matt, I don't know, just try it. I mean, 30 days, try it. Over Christmas break, try it. I'm going to try to follow Jesus the best I can and see if it doesn't bless my life. And if Jesus was telling the truth about that, maybe Jesus was telling the truth about being the Son of God. Maybe Jesus was telling the truth about being my Savior. Maybe I can't put my trust in Him like He said. Try it. See if it's true. One final note about doubt. Uh, real faith in God isn't the absence of doubt. It's trusting God even though you may still have some questions. It's trusting God even though you may still have some reservations. One of my favorite passages of Scripture in all the Bible uh, is in Mark chapter 9. We have a father that comes before Jesus uh, because his son is being tormented by an evil spirit. He says, Jesus, man, I'm desperate. I'm on my wits end. I think the spirit's going to kill my kid. He's, he's doing all this terrible stuff. Jesus, is there anything you can do? Right? Is there anything you can do? And Jesus says, anything. Anything. It's me. Jesus says, and he says, everything is possible for him who believes. Everything is possible for him who believes. And the man's response, again, one of the most precious verses in all Scripture is, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Because I, I both. I both believe and I have doubts. I have them both. Help me, Jesus. Man, that's a beautiful prayer. Right? Man, that's a beautiful prayer. God, I believe you. I trust you. Also, I doubt. Help me overcome those. Real faith in God, man, there, there, there's a tension, right? It's not going to be just 100% belief all the time. We're going to have doubts. We're going to have questions. But it's, God, I trust you. I do believe you. Would you help me overcome these doubts? Help me to overcome this unbelief. And he will help you. He will help you. Amen? So the other side of that coin uh, is rather than doubting God or doubting Christianity, sometimes we doubt that we actually know God. We doubt that we actually have a relationship with him. We get frustrated with ourselves and wonder if God really loves us, if we're really saving. And this is called condemnation. And we'll wrap up here talking about condemnation. Uh, the way John words it is, man, what do we do when our hearts condemn us? Right? When our own hearts are, are condemning us, making us feel worthless and lousy. Simply, when we feel condemned, our hearts condemn us, we must not trust our feelings. Again, we already said God's greater than our feelings. God's greater than our emotions. We've got to stop trusting our feelings and stand on the word of God instead. 
What are the promises of God? My heart says, and I don't feel like I'm right with God. I don't feel like I'm saved. But what does the Word of God say? And we're going to run through some scriptures here. Um, later in 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, he addresses this. Um, 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, he says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. So what's the promise there? If you believe that Jesus is the Christ and you believe he's born of God, um, I'm sorry, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, then you are born of God. You're a child of God. That's the promise. Verse 2, this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. Dropping down to verse 10, whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. So if you believe in Jesus, you believe in him as the Son of God. It says, if you believe in the Son of God and you accept his testimony, what was his testimony? That if you believe in me, your sins are forgiven, you have eternal life, right? If you receive that, if you believe that, if you receive his testimony, it says, whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they've not believed the testimony God has given about his son. Verse 11, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. That's the promise. So, so when we feel condemned, we don't want to stand on our feelings. We want to stand on the word of God and says, if you put your trust in Jesus, you've got eternal life. That's the promise. It doesn't, even on your low days, you put your trust in Jesus, right? So your sins are forgiven and you're right with God. You've got eternal life because that's what he promised. Um, one last verse we'll look at is Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. This would be a great, great passage to memorize when you have opportunities to share your faith. And someone, your classmate asks me, how do I become a Christian? Right? How do I even put my trust in Jesus? Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9. This is Paul writing. He says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's it. We overcomplicate it. Let's read it again because it's so simple. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you're going to be saved. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Jesus, I believe that you weren't just a wise teacher. You weren't just a really good dude that lived a long time ago. But you are Lord, capital L, Lord. You're God, you're the Son of God, and I want you to be the Lord, the boss of my life. I want to submit to you. I want to follow you. Jesus, you're Lord. And I believe in my heart that you're not dead somewhere buried in Israel. That God raised you from the dead, and you're still alive now, right hand of the Father. Right? And I can put my trust in a living Jesus to save me. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. So man, you put your trust in Jesus and say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord. Forgive me of my sins, man. When you, when you put your trust in Jesus that way, you declare it with your mouth. Paul says, you are saved. It doesn't matter what your feelings are telling you. It doesn't matter if you feel, I don't know. I don't know if it took. I did those things. I don't know if it worked. I'm going to have to do it again. No, stand on the promise of God. You put your trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross to save you and make you right with God, and then you're saved. And you're saved. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew or Gentile. Everyone's the same. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all that call on him. Verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Jesus promises, man, if you put your trust in me, 
you're saved and you're made right with God. I've got you. And you're not, you're not strong enough to screw it up. <laughs> you're not going to mess it up, right? On your bad days, you don't mess it up, right? I've got, I told you before, I have three children, right? Um, on Thomas's worst day, he doesn't stop being my son. When he blows it, he doesn't stop being my son. And my, my daughters could, could, I don't know what, they could throw a wild party and flip all the furniture over. I'd be real mad. There'd be work to do. We'd have to clean up. But they wouldn't stop being my daughters. You hear me? I mean, put your trust in Jesus. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need to save you. Would you make me right with God? Because of what you did on the cross, you already took my punishment. He forgives you. He cleanses you. He adopts you into the family of God. You're his now. You're his now. Right? We can be confident. We can stand on that on the days when our hearts condemn. On the days we feel real low. Say, no, I'm not going to trust my feelings. God's bigger than my feelings. I'm going to stand on the word of God, the promise of God. that says, because I put my trust in him, because I believed on him, I'm safe. I'm right with God, and I've got a home in heaven when this life is over. Amen? Amen? And I hope this was helpful for you guys. Uh, that's no joke, right? Um, and, and again, man, there's still times I've got a question. It's like, wow, that's a really good question. And, and I've got to remind myself, okay, I need to stop and deal with that, not let that thing fester, right? I've got days where I feel real low, and I'm like, God, how could you love me? And I've got to remember, you do. <laughs> You do. You proved it by sending your son Jesus to die. Well, I was still a sinner. You sent your son Jesus to die. If I ever doubt that God loves me, I can look to the cross and say, oh, you proved you love me. You sent your own son to die so that you can have a relationship with me. You sent your own son to die to save me. And that, that's proof that God loves us. Amen. Um, I want to take a chance to pray with you guys. I know in this room there's, there's lots of different, probably different things we might be struggling with. Uh, questions we're dealing with. Hopefully, man, you've got some stuff you've learned here tonight that you can take home uh, and put into practice and, and really help you with that. But I also want to pray, too, like we said, invite God into these situations. Uh, and and let the presence of God into our lives to help us deal with these things. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father God, uh, we love you and we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that you loved us first, that you loved us best, God. Before we even knew you, God, you already loved us. And you already made a plan to send your son Jesus to save us. God, would you help us when we're dealing with doubts, God? Would you help us when, like John said, our hearts condemn us, God? God, help us, God, when, when we're, we're not even sure what we believe about you. God, help us on those days we're dealing with those tough questions, God. Make yourself real to us, God. For the students that are in here tonight dealing with hard questions that are just gnawing at them, beating on them, uh, that they've tried to ignore, they've tried to bury down deep, but, but, uh, but, but, but really it's hurting them, God, would you minister to those things? God, help them find good answers for those things. And God, for the things that there, there, there's maybe not really a satisfying answer for, God, help us to trust you. Like the man in Mark 9 to say, God, God I do trust you. I believe you. Help, help me with the questions I still have. Help me with the doubts I still have, the unbelief I'm still struggling with, God. Help me to really trust in you, God. And God, those that are here tonight and their hearts may be bringing condemnation against themselves, saying, I don't know that I'm really worthy of God's love. I don't know that, that, that I'm really right with God, and some days when I screw up so much, it feels like maybe I'm not even really saved, not even really Christian. God, would you help these students to stand on the Word of God, to stand on the profession of faith they made in Christ, and trust you, Jesus, that you're strong enough to save them, that you're going to see them through, and see them on through to heaven when this life is over. If there's anyone here tonight, again, our eyes are closed, we're focusing on the Lord, and say, 
uh, Matt, I want to put my trust in Jesus tonight to save me. I've never actually done that, but I want to do it tonight. If that's anyone here tonight, would you just raise your hand so I know who to pray with? Say, Matt, would you pray for me? I want to put my trust in Jesus tonight. Okay, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. The promise of Scripture is you will be saved. You will be saved. So God, would you bless and encourage these students, God? God, help them to feel like they can come to, to Jackie and I and, and the life group leaders with the questions that they have. Not that we know the answer to every question, but man, we're going we're gonna to go and, and study with them. We're going to find the answer with them. We're going to pray with them and encourage them, God. Um, God, would you bless these students, God, as, as, as we're, we're kind of heading into the last few uh, days of the semester, God. There's big projects, big papers, there's big tests, God. Bless and favor these students and help them to do well at everything they put their hands to, God. God, as we transition to the Thanksgiving break, I know going home is hard for some of these students, God. Some of them have home situations that, that, that are ugly, that they're not really looking forward to going back to. Uh, God, would you be with them, be near to them, God. Surround them with your love, God, and be at work in those situations, God, to bring peace. Uh, we love you, Father. We trust you with all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.